2000, the fourth edition. It is the, well, I won't tell you what it is exactly. You'll hear that in the unboxing. And then one of my players is going to come on and we're going to talk about this product and our ongoing campaign. So sit back and enjoy. It's all Twilight 2000 today. When I said I had piles of boxes, well, I do have piles of boxes. So I'm just going to open them, but you know what? These are going to just give you segments in our overall show. Um, let's see how this goes. Each little recording is going to be its own little segment. I hope that kind of works and I can cut them in and out of things. So this particular box, I don't know when I got it. Uh, this box is 10 and a half by 13 and a quarter, and it is five and a half thick. Um, that length, width times length times height. So, uh, yeah, here we go. It's a box. I'm using a box cutter because it's got tape. It is from Flat River Group out of Belding, Michigan. It's got pop things, not pop coins, and then it's got everything in a, it's got the books in a bubble wrap, which is cool. And what are the said books? Oh, this is very cool. All right. I think I know what guest I want to get on after I discuss the opening of this. But what I have received from Freeland Publication is the Twilight 2000. Urban Operations book, box set, the box set, which I think is really cool. Um, it's in shrink wrap, so just be aware. I'm going to slice open the shrink wrap here. Open that, so we can go to recycle. To recycle. So it's a very nice box. Uh, um, the art's very evocative. It's got some people under like under like a bridge. Um, with guns, like urban operations. I mean, it's very, so definitely, uh, it's cool. It has like a encounter cards, like a cat, little catalog, of course, little punch outs for like sandbags, rubble, ground floor, rooftops, um, which is kind of neat, uh, really very helpful. Uh, different tokens for being sh for hits and the like. Um, probably for like if you're experienced coolness under fire or not. It's got a hell of a lot of stuff in it, I feel. So in the box, those are the counters and the random counter cards. Then there are maps. There are one map boards. One, two. So like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, sixteen, like a eight by ten double sided. Sorry, yes, eight. We're 16 maps, but eight. Eight by ten double-sided maps, and now there's other maps that are bigger, um, that are you know, two panel in a way. And I think like you fold out two panel, two panel scenes, one on each side. It doesn't look like you fold them out. 
that's one of those. That's uh, two different scenes on each of the two sort of eight by 10 panels. That'd be 16 by 20. Um, I don't know what that is in metric. Uh, and then they have a large fold-out map that is like four panels. So that is going to be, right, so the other one was 8 by 20, and these are, these, this one is 16 by 20, double-sided, uh, which is very cool. They have, so that's a bunch of, of maps for like, those are like tactical maps, right? So you can, um, so for your, when you set up scenes or scenarios or conflict, and now there is a, a double-sided, again, this is 16 by 20, map of Carlsberg on one side, and it looks like Krakow, uh, downtown Krakow on the other side. Well, it's, it's not quite downtown Krakow. It's not the exact, it's not the old, all, just the old town, but it is uh, kind of Krakow city city center, uh, plus uh, close to city center environs. I can see the, uh, the uh, some of the, not just the castle and the old town, but also where the uh, Awarta of, not Awarta, the Ormo of Krakow hangs out, uh, the deep, the various locations, the train depot, very cool. And then there is a book as well in this, in here, um, in this book. So it, is, it runs 90, looks like 96 pages, and it's a combination, uh, it's got six sections it looks like. Six, six sections, uh, playing in cities, city rules, urban encounters, city factions, urban plots. So that's, it looks like it's um, some plots that you can, like adventure hooks that you can um, run out. And I do see like the Black Madonna as a picture in one of those. Then scenario sites, a big playground, church, power plant, the bunker. And then there's two appendices, uh, Krakow and Carlsberg. Which is pretty cool. So they do introduce. Uh, maybe I'll get into this more uh, when my special guest comes on and we talk about it. But that is um, urban operations. I'm pretty excited about it. I have it. I've had it on PDF, so I have been using it. Um, but now I have the physical copy. Cool. Urban operations. <laughs> All right, well, welcome back, everyone. Um, and now I have my special guest that we're going to talk about the item that I unboxed. And with me is Joe Youngers. He plays in several of my games. He plays in my Pathfinder Kingmaker game, my Traveler Behind the Claw game, and most importantly, and for this recording, he plays in my Twilight 2000 4th Edition game. We're running through the classic Twilight 2000 1st Edition uh, adventures, but we are using the Twilight. 2004th edition rules. So how are you doing today, Joe? I'm doing fine. Uh, hi to all the uh, listeners out there. Oh, thanks for saying hi. No one really ever says hi to everyone. But Joe, uh, you've been playing games for a long time. I'm really glad to have you in my various groups. You bring a lot of uh, expertise and fun role-playing and uh, game knowledge to the table. So just tell us a little bit about how you got into gaming. Like, uh... <laughs> Well, I got into gaming back in the Back in the dark ages, as they say, uh, back in the uh, Christmas break of 79, oh, wow. I went home for from break from college and ended up going over to friends of my family's or of my parents. And they had this box sitting off to the side while they were over there smoking their cigarettes and, you know, drinking their drinks. And I was just sitting there bored. And it was this strange little box with a dragon on it. 
So I opened it up and started thumbing through it. And about half an hour into it, somebody looked over and went, oh, my God, he's opened the box. He's going to have to be the DM. Oh, wow. And that's how I got into, D- that's how I got into roleplay. What version of that of uh, D&D was that? Uh, that was the... Uh, <clears throat> it was prior to Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, but it was about the same time AD&D was coming out. So it, was the, uh, so. it wasn't the Errol Otis cover, right? It was the one with the dragon on the treasure. The, uh... It was the one with the dragon on the treasure. Yeah. Oh, man. Yep. What is that? Um, I don't remember the name of that version. The one before Moldvay, which I don't have. But, uh, yeah. yeah, someone will... Yeah, you got me. What I recall, at the time, I wasn't really worried about which version, because yeah. I think it was the only one. Uh, but I did like the fact they had the polyhedral dice in there, and it came with its own little white crayon. So that you could fill in the uh, oh, numbers. Yeah, that's, that's funny. Yeah, they did that. That they had that a lot, right? Uh, that is the. Uh, let mm-hmm. me see if I can look really quickly on what, because I know some people are gonna are yelling at me and saying, "What? What version was that? What version was that?" Um. So, Holmes, that is the Holmes version. There you go. The Holmes version. So you played the Holmes version. That's pretty impressive, actually. Um, yeah, I got into it with uh, the Mold Day version. So you were uh, really big. I mean, I, I met you through another one of my players um, that you all know as at Irks on the various discords. That's Matt um, Wagner. But you, you've you known him for a long time, too. He's the one who kind of introduced us. But you guys did a lot of, uh, what, like RPGA? Mm-hmm. It was, well, yeah, it was RPGA back in the day. Uh, I got I met Matt through... Uh, Living Greyhawk. Uh, we played a lot of that what, back when I was living in North Carolina still. Uh, so, and man, we traveled up and down the East Coast going to conventions for this for that campaign. Yeah, so that so I guess you played continuously from back when you got the basic set all the way through into Living Greyhawk, or did you take breaks? Or I had a break while I was in the military, mm-hmm. uh, where it was about a hmm, about a three to four year gap. Where I, I played little pickup games here and there. That's where I picked up the first copy of Twilight 2000. Oh, nice. Was while I was in the Navy. Perfect, because I was going to ask you. But I'd played some champions. Yeah. I'd played villains and vigilantes. Yeah, all those games are. Go ahead. Sorry, I stepped. No, on that's you. fine. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yeah, so that was the next yeah. question I was going to ask you. Well, that's cool. You played champions and villains and vigilantes. I both remember those games. Like villains and vigilantes, my first like superhero game. I think yeah, even before like the Marvel the Marvel game, um, I played a lot of. Star yep, Frontiers. sure was. Um, and then um, I did get into Champions, uh, probably like around the fourth edition of Champions, not the earlier versions. Ah, uh, the big blue yeah. book. Uh, so, so yeah, so you, you are familiar with Twilight 2000, and you, you played way back uh, during the first edition in the 80s. So how was that experience? What did you think of it? Because I played that too. I played the second edition as well. It wasn't... I, I enjoyed it. Too. I was in two different groups. Mm-hmm. One of them I enjoyed. The other one was... Um, hmm. We tended to focus on the minutiae a little too much and the basically uh, the background of basically nickel and diming all of the little bits and pieces. You know, how many rounds of ammo do we have? You know, how much gas do we have for the truck? Which I guess is kind of sort of what the early part of the survival mentality is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we had 13 players in the game, so oh, that was wow. a bit of an issue. Yeah, that seemed like it would take a long time. Yeah, I, I remember the first edition like if effectively you had to have a worksheet for character creation oh yeah and you definitely needed like some some way to write down and keeping track of all the uh all the aspects right the from ammo to gas to food even water right um as, as well as just depending on on how 
how much detail you wanted to get and how much you wanted to get into a survival game. Uh, and the second edition kind of cut back on some of that. It used the the games workshop house system. It was like a, mm-hmm. I think it's a D, D10. I want to say a D10 system with hitting target numbers. Were you familiar with that one? I, I missed that one, I think. That you need, yeah, so that's the yellow book, the big yellow book. Mm. Um, I remember seeing it. Anyway, so yeah, I played that extensively, and I ran Merc 2000 for a long time. So I was very excited. Um, I don't know if you were. I was very excited when they're when Free League announced that they're going to do another edition, a fourth a fourth edition of this one. I have the third edition, and I was going to get into it and play, but we just never we just never did. It's like the Twilight 2013 or something like that. Right, that right. I have somewhere on my shelf, but I never I never really got into it. I think what I I thought was cool about that one. So like Twilight 2000, the first and second edition. I mean, you can add in, or if you think I'm inaccurate or add in some more detail but those were kind of focused really on like you being part of uh, the military mainly u.s military but they did have supplements for other western military uh, personnel and then um twilight 2000 the second edition added that idea of soldier of fortune with the merc 2000 products but everyone was still really pretty much like in the military and i thought what i thought was good in twilight 2013 is that then they had like the civilian side if you weren't like in the military branch and like if you were so stateside when you know the proverbial shit hit the fan mm-hmm. so um so i thought that was a very interesting addition yeah. what, what do you, anything you recall from that uh, it, i think that's accurate I, I ended up missing the second uh, the second edition and uh-huh. uh the 2013 i think i i noticed something about it when it was in its developmental stages but never actually saw a finished product so but you're right. The first edition was very much focused on the military and you know chain of command and that sort of stuff, and right. it had some innovative uh, game mechanics. I thought mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> the fact that you it was back in the day when you still rolled for your stats, so it was very much mm-hmm. random generation. But they had an interesting sort of leveling mechanic, where depending on what your what your overall stats were. Um, mm-hmm. The higher the number was, the less combat time you had, and the lower your coolness under fire factor was. So you might mm-hmm. be the Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, big buff, get out there and kick butt and take names, except for the fact that you had no actual field time. So when the mm-hmm. bullets started flying, you'd be the first one to hit the deck. Right. I guess that mimics, so was- except for like in a superhero type of situation like Commando um, yep. or Schwarzenegger flick. I guess that suggests like the the longer you've been in, the less you're the less beefy you are because of time um, and age, but the more experienced you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah, I think we'll get to that. That's something I do want to touch is the coolness under fire. There's been on other dis- on other uh, podcasts. There's been a lot of talk about suppression fire and coolness under fire and loss of, of agency. But I think we'll get into that. Uh, just because we're going to talk about uh, probably a little bit of our Twilight 2000 game sure. that we, we're in. Um, but uh, let's uh, jump into this new product. I mean, I've really enjoyed, well, uh, and overall, and maybe this is a bias, I've really enjoyed the new edition of Twilight 2000 4th Edition. I think it's an easy in. The mechanics um, are not so arduous that they get in the way of the interaction role play. And you can be as detailed into the minutiae of fuel and water and and food and ammo as you need to be. I think it's very modular in that regard. Um, the, what are your impressions in general of the, the new system, new game? <laughs> well, you know me. I tend to like the minutia to a degree. 
yeah, we give me a fly. spreadsheet, and I'm I'm a happy right. camper. Yep. Uh, yep. But uh, I ended up miss. I I joined your game late, about okay. a year late, because I think you started this as a birthday thing. Right. I think you and joined it by about the time six I months, got six months in, maybe. Okay. Yeah. About yeah. the time I joined, the group was already had made their way from being on the run to Krakow, mm-hmm. and was already on its way to establishing a, a nice solid base of operations. Right. So I missed out on most of the uh, scarcity economy that was going on. Right. So. Yeah. Now they're kind of. In a um, good now situation. we pretty much. Yeah, you're in a good situation. Yeah. You still keep track of like ammo, but I feel like, I feel like there. I mean, there's so much like food and water available. Uh, fuel, fuel can become an issue just depending, right? But I don't think it has right. for some time. And then like other things, like say medicines, another important thing. I've been using like a usage dice mechanic, which as it's used or after over a certain amount of time, we'll roll a usage and see what the depletion is. And then, but then there, you guys have, I think when a, a player who plays the medic uh, realizes that, then they say, okay, I guess we've got a time to look for it. When it gets low, the usage dice gets low and it's time to go look for some more medicine type of thing. Right. So, so yep. I think it's good. So it kind of promotes, I think that idea and, uh, and I'll, you know, maybe if we really need to get into that scarcity again, um, other than ammunition, then maybe the usage dice mechanic might be a, a way to go. Um, just you can you have this like dice chain type of thing in Twilight 2000, and then you know when it's become scarce, then you guys then that kind of le- lends itself to okay now we got to do like a little sidetrack to find fuel, find water, find food type of thing, right? Right. So I think it and it doesn't get in the way of the to me like I think sometimes those that minutia can get in the way of the story. Um, so maybe that's why I kind of downplay it, unless you guys find yourselves like in, you know, uh, let's say, you know, Krakow gets overrun and you find yourselves in the wilderness again. Then then it becomes, I think, an important yeah. part of the story. Yeah. Or we find ourselves hip deep in Warsaw. Right. Oh, well, yeah, that could be coming. All right. So speaking of Warsaw, what is, yeah. I mean, I should have you on more often. What a segue. Speaking of Warsaw um, and possibly Krakow. So. The reason I I brought you on is because I was excited to talk about Twilight 2000 because I we both recently received the the, the print copy of the new uh, supplement for a Twilight 2000 Fourth Edition, which is a Twilight 2000 Urban Operations book. Yes, indeed. So, so what? Are Although, your... to be honest, to to be honest, we've had access to the PDF for it. Yes, we've had for access about six to the months. PDF for a while, and I've been using aspects of it to kind of blend blended in really nicely with the Krakow phase of the game. And if we do have to get into, uh, it seems like as you guys approach Warsaw, because we're running the classic Pirates of the Vistula uh, adventure right now, um, then, you know, we have this book available. And then, and I've also used it when you guys, because it does have, it does touch on, you know, what about cities that are been like ruined and nuked, right? Um, like Chesteshova, which you guys had, had right. in the campaign. What are your overall impressions of the, of the book? Or the box set, uh, the box set, which I I think is cool in and of itself. Oh yeah, the box set it's it's really nice. Uh, there wasn't a lot of uh, dead space in the box. Let me tell you. Oh, right. I like the fact they added some new cards because the encounter cards, even though there were what fifty odd in the original. Right. Um, by this point in the game, we've probably gone through and seen most of them, True. and so getting another ten or twelve. To throw into the mix, yeah, that are that are it's, urban, it, urban location specific, right? Right. It adds a nice little bit of uh, newness yeah. to the possible random encounters. Yeah, there are other accessories in here. They have like these little chits for like uh, 
mm-hmm. you know, coolness under fire chits and like locations. Right. There's like sandbags, rubble. Uh, what, do, what do you, I guess this, this begs the question then, I mean, these are great. The cards and the chits are great for like a live play. But I, I have oh, never yeah. had a live play. It's all been online, Roll20, mainly right. for me. So is that, has that your experience too, or how is that? Um, the, I could, when, I, when I'm looking at the chits for the little tokens and whatnot, it reminds me a lot of Advanced Squad yes, Leader. Yes, totally. Totally, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually, it's great. Yeah, so, so as a side, one of our players, uh, the aforementioned Matt Wagner, has made a lot of like Squad Leader-type um, tokens for everyone. And for things that happen, uh, it's really a fantastic mm-hmm. little bit of art that he's done um, for this. So yeah, that definitely adds to it. I think it adds yeah. to it. I think uh, like in live play, I've never done it, so I haven't even broken these out yet. But I think it'd be great for a, a live play situation. I guess maybe I've missed because I do like the a bit of the uh, convention circuit. Maybe I should have proposed proposed a game. Uh, right. But but I did run. I mean, I did. Yeah. I run our yeah. game, and I've run like a like a side trek still in my. A campaign verse, I guess. Um, because the cool thing about, to me, the cool thing about Twilight 2000, um, even from the very incarnation, it's like, okay, uh, there's a bad battle. Uh, your 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 division got split up because of the battle. Things went south very quickly. Now you're on your own. Go. Right? There's no, like, there's no, uh, I guess, uh, over overarching arc. Once you, once you are given your orders that you're on your own, I mean, it becomes your... Twilight 2000 game, right? Your group, so I think that's kind of neat. Because you're playing in another game, right? You're playing in another... Yes, I am. Uh, with some folks that I know... I know from back from the East Coast, uh, but mm-hmm. um, the guy who's running it uh, is a former Army Ranger, and so he is mm-hmm. very gung-ho about the whole military aspect of it. Uh-huh. And so, of course, our group is barely military at all. <laughs> Well, it, it's barely military. L- let me let me parif- let me clarify that. We've got five players. Mm-hmm. We have a force recon uh, marine ranger type uh, who has a NSA spy as her charge. Who I think made it through one term before uh, the war started. So he is very much a babe in the woods. Uh, we have two Polish officers, one of whom is a tanker. And one of whom is a logistics officer. That'd be me. Uh, and then who's our last? Oh, then we've got a Navy medic who basically got farmed off to the Marines. So he's basically a Marine medic. Ah. Oh. So, so you guys playing in Poland also? Or are you just. Yeah, we're, we basically picked up in the uh, fall of Kalis. And we're oh, okay. slowly working our way down the. Uh, down towards uh, Krakow. I'm sorry, oh, Krakow. Wow. Well, yeah, we'll yeah. use Krakow. The yeah. we use the uh, Westernization, of right, it. right. Uh, but um, yeah, so I guess I guess the uh, take home there is that both games are different, have been different. Yes, they they have been, so, which is pretty cool. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, and in our current game, oh, let's keep talking. Let's not let's not go into tangent too much. All okay. right, so <laughs> uh, we could get back to the game, but um. Sure. All right, so then after the, those couple accessories, then we have a whole slew of maps. Right? Oh, yeah. So, um, so from, like, a, a, a giant, like, fold map, two giant fold maps, uh, mm-hmm. one that has Krakow, and then I guess they have Krakow. So you could, the cool thing about thinking that they did in Twilight 2000, fourth edition, is that there's two, like, locales, right? They have the classic start in Poland after the fall of Kalitz. 
um, type of scenario. You make your way to Krakow and then maybe do the classic adventures. And then they have uh, things that happen like on the northern front um, in Sweden um, in that in Twilight 2000. So they have a pullout, a pullout sort of double-sided map, one with Krakow, one with Carlsberg. Then they have like another, and that's like a four-panel map. Like uh, I guess mm-hmm. it'd be, yeah, yeah, it's pretty big. And then the other map they have like. Um, oh, let me tell you, the quality oh, of yeah. these maps is great. Yes, it's really good. It's nice, yeah, the thick, map, heavy paper. Mm-hmm. It's kind of plasticized. Right. So, like, it seems like it would be, like, uh, acid-resistant. Like, you drop it's, water on it, it's not going to... And it's really help. durable. Yeah. I think what's, what's kind of neat, too, is uh, now I can I can play... So, like, the other map is, like, the map of the castle in, Krak- in Krakow, if we're using that pronunciation. Mm-hmm. And then an urban, like a rubble, rubble-filled urban locale. Which probably is also in Krakow, but um, but I think that's cool. So now I can pl- I can put where the uh, where the helicopter is uh, in, in the castle and taunt Amy with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Amy's my wife. She plays in our Twilight Two Thousand game. But I think I agree. The the quality of maps are very good. I I don't know. I feel like the uh, they definitely are more modernized. I think. I mean, I don't, I feel like there's more detail on the classic on the maps in the classic. Uh, for example, uh, Free City of Krakow book compared to the Krakow, but, uh, it, I mean, I think it's still a very nice map. Very, you know, mm-hmm. it's very, you know, very nice. You definitely get the oh, yeah. detail that you want. And then they have, after those two maps, so I guess, uh, the obviously the Krakow-Carlsberg map is like, a, you know, overview. Uh, not some, you, you were, oh, I guess it does have hexes on it, so I guess you could use it for some sort of tactical, more strategic level mm-hmm. planning. But the other maps are definitely tactical maps. They're uh, ten meters, a hex type of thing, so you can, you know, run across, run across the big map type of thing. Um, and the good thing is that the PDFs are pretty good quality. So if you need to throw them on the roll twenty or your VTT of choice, uh, then you can you can do that too, which I think is good. Um, so uh, the other maps, the other maps are like uh, just like double sided two panel maps. Um, some are. Some are hex gridded and some are not, which is I think none of them are hex gridded on mine. Well, none of them are hex gridded because these are all for the urban combat, uh, where instead of using hexes, yes, yes. you're using zones. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. So you use zones and the some of them are like for interior buildings, but there's some that are like exterior. So the exterior ones, you, they do have the hexes. So there's one, two, three. Right. Looks like they're. I see four of them. I see four of them with hexes. Yeah. Okay. Although, wow, it's a really subtle. Yeah, it's very subtle. No, they're very. It's so many different locales and situations. I think it's very comprehensive maps. You know, from like a, a town, a town square to like apartment buildings uh, to churches. There's even a cool one of like a downed airplane um, in the rubble field, like an industrial center. Uh, so a rail yard, that rail yard could have come in handy, as it turns out. Yep. But that is, I think that's the cool thing is that I mean, like if you look at the rail yard map, hey, that's what you guys were, were attacking. <laughs> pretty much. So I think it's pretty cool. The maps are very well done uh, for your your sort of tactical situation, whether outdoors or um, in uh, inside a building. So and I think that is actually a great mm-hmm. addition that they did to the for the urban operations that it, it definitely becomes more close quarters when you drop and that's just one of the many cool thing new rules in the urban operations book um is that 
you go from outdoors at the 10 meters per hex to like indoors and zone sort of close quarter combat, uh, right? So, which we have done. I mean, we kind of did that in some house fighting in one of the towns. Mm -hmm. so, so I definitely have used some of the rules in here. All right, so let's get to the book, your overall impression of the book. Oh, uh, once again, I like the uh, layout. They do that sort of square mm -hmm. binding uh, to where it's, it feels durable. And I got to feel, oh, there, there it is. I set it down to yeah. the side of my desk. Um, honestly, I haven't dug a lot into the meat of the book, but I do like the layout of the uh, table mm -hmm. contents. Uh, they've got some more, I, I'm really big on crunch yeah. as far from the player facing yeah. side of things. And there's not a lot of crunch in here aside from the new combat rules. But the few things they've got, they've added um, a couple archetypes. They've added the cop, they've added the criminal, and they've added a few new specialties, which are nice ads. Oh, one of the ones that I was really happy to see, especially given the one of the big MacGuffins they've got at the start, is that they've added cryptography right. as a specialty. So. Yeah. But it... The layout looks good. Um, the rules on close quarters combat and whatnot, and city travel are nice. I have tried to stay away from the meat and potatoes of the plot stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's th th things I could throw in. True. Yeah, I think the city rules are great. Uh, they have like two new archetypes: the cop and the criminal, and then a, a slew of of new like rules or suggestions for rules for um, city warfare, including fog of war, movement, uh, how you. Like we talked about uh, here, how you have combat in uh, buildings, breaching walls, and close quarters combat if you need it um, as well. So, and then what happens with the heavy weapons, explosions, and then, uh, you know, blocking movement, close combat, range combat in an indoor uh, situation up at close and personal. And then, you know, driving through city, city travel, how to use these maps. Um, and then there's what I liked also is that there's a Urban encounters, we've talked about in the accessories, they have like a new encounter cards and those are um, repeated here. Uh, they're both moving through a city and also stationary encounters, including what I like is, um, you know, people coming to you or new new radio rumors. So that's a big, a big thing here and there um, in the various supplements all the way from first edition. You can hear radio chatter if you have like a, a radio you can listen in like a ham radio or like a vehicle radio with a, a big range you can you can listen in and, and see what's what's going on i've always liked to you know they have just from a, an aesthetic point of view like you mentioned the table of contents it's like the free league like two page uh style where they have like a one two three four five six and then like a a picture a small like a thumbnail picture uh leading into the chapter and then when you go to the chapter, it's like a two-panel, like painting, of of that thumbnail, which which are amazing. I mean, like, for number chapter four, where it has the BTR with like a, a, a Virgin Mary icon, you know, strapped to it and a flag. I think that's amazing with the soldiers on it. Um, oh yeah, there's some really amazing art that's very evocative. Uh, so, so it's cool. So like in the uh, in chapter four, city factions and a lot of new factions that can exist in the various cities. Uh, which is definitely uh, worth looking through, depending, like, uh, you know, just in case you guys run into them, right? Urban yeah, plots, yeah. Um, different plots. And, and some of these we've actually, these are, some of these are recapitulated, um, like maybe one or two are recapitulated. Uh, so op they have Operation Reset in here, for example. But for the most part, they're brand new 
uh, brand new like mini scenarios, brand new plot plot points or plot hooks uh, that uh, you can do, right? So they have, I think they have some cool ones um, in here uh, that you can use for your Twilight 2000 campaign. Um, so, which I like a lot. And then they have scenario sites, which kind of uh, highlights all the various, and they have the maps for these, highlight all the various maps, and then how you can use these scenario sites in your plot points, which I think is great. Like I said, they have the, the they have a church, they have a power plant, um, etc. So, and NPCs and stuff throughout. Uh, many like li these are like encounters that could happen. Uh, probably a lot of uh, I think some of these I will use in um, in Warsaw potentially, or maybe even when you go back to Krakow. Or, if, for example, you know you never know. You guys might get captured and 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 uh, hustled off to Lublin or something. So, uh, True enough. So there's it's a lot of it's a lot of great stuff I think in tools for the GM, um, I in my you know from the GM facing side of things. Yeah, yeah. one of the things I do like uh, just thumbing through the book a little deeper uh, is for their NPCs they've gone through and used like the basically the old the old version of playing cards of who's who in town mm -hmm. that sort of stuff. Right, and the the art's still very evocative of the old school uh, Twilight two thousand. Oh yeah, for sure. So. For sure. Like everyone is. So I think th something like this game does, and another game that I play a lot, Warhammer Fantasy, is like everyone's like, no one's like clean and pretty. It's all they're all dirty, <laughs> which I think yeah. is like it. It kind of shows that sort of, in, in the case of Warhammer Fantasy, that sort of you know medieval low Renaissance Renaissance type of feel. You know, people missing teeth, uh, and then here like in a survival, a survival situation, no one's clothes clothes are pressed. They're all dirty and wrinkled. Uh, they look tired, so I think it's really it's it's pretty cool how they how they done that, you know. And then the people that you do yep. see that are all prim and proper, you might wonder and maybe not trust them, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so the last two, you know, what does this what does this guy have that he can spend the yeah, time to take showers regularly? True, true, right? Like even they have this one guy, mm -hmm. this guy who's like a yawn, who's a pro boxer before the war. He's all like his face is still all beat up, man. It's got band aids and cuts and bruises all over it so i think it's pretty cool and they have like their attributes but another neat thing that they have done is like um so they're they can they, they in a lot of the books they have a conversion so if you want to convert from the old stuff to the new stuff or back you, you can do that pretty readily um they have like you know novice novice to expert type of designations that you can figure out or that they that you can determine you know, based on the the dice chain mechanic that that the game has so i think that's really good um, the last two parts of the appendices, which is a, a little more detail on Krakow and Carlsberg, so with the, with maps as well. So that, that what I like. I, um, sometimes people think it's a waste of space, but I think it's fine to have like the maps inside the book as well as, um, and I think it's extra and very nice to have them, you know, outside of the book as well, right? So so it's like a. a yeah, so I, yeah. I like that. So they have, you know, an overview of map of, um, of Krakow, but then it has a little more detail than you get on, like, the quote-unquote player's map that you would show on the table. Uh, same thing with the Vavel uh, uh, Castle, um, the courtyard, the cathedral, and then, uh, you know, the bunker where the, uh, where the helicopter is held. Uh, same thing with Carlsberg. Right. So there is no, uh, yeah, there is a map of, yeah, there is a map of Carlsberg. So the fortress of Carlsberg and the overall map, which is kind of cool. So, um so pretty nice. I, I'm impressed. It's, it's 96 pages the book, and uh, like we mentioned, a lot of maps. Um, it's it's a it's a full on box set. Um, 
for urban operations. So yeah, we're gonna switch gears slightly a little bit um, and just talk about um, our game. And maybe, maybe I hope I don't put you on the spot and feel free to be honest. Um, so Joe, how do you think our game is going? Ah, I think it's going pretty well. Uh, we've got some, uh, not, we haven't run into any real conflict amongst the players, although we have had a few instances where PCs have kind of butted heads, but all in all, we've kind of come together and are getting the job done. It's nice that we have a goal of, you know, basically we're operating as, I don't want to say mercenaries for hire. We're more of a um, protection force that's been attached to a rescue operation going into Warsaw. And, but we're the rescue, we're basically the, the heavily armed rescue force. And so I'm sure the guy running the boat who wants to rescue his family from Warsaw would like to not have us keep delaying and herring off in various directions to help people along the river. But I think it's kind of establishing our general mindset as to how this group operates. Yeah. So I I think it's been pretty exciting, um, honestly. And I, this is, gives me a chance to comment on why I like these these kind of classic, um, quote unquote, modules adventures. They're definitely aside. Well, even even Black Madonna is not quite linear. There's a goal in mind, but the way you arrive at that goal is so open, and so many things can happen. It's it's in a way they all these adventures just give you here's a locale, here's like the general path of where you might go, but. Uh, but they don't tell you like what what the adventure necessarily is. They just give you uh, the start and finish and the opposition. Which so I think you can go in different directions. And this heavily have the the things that happen from from the GM behind the screen point of view are very much dependent on on random encounter rules, right? Whether you run into trouble along the river or when you get into a town, it really depends on like a random encounter role. And then we kind of go with it and see what happens, right? So uh, I think that has been the fascinating part of it, and you know, in my you know my opinion, and that's why maybe it take a little longer as you guys do various side quests or things happen. But you know, is it, whether it's dictated by the roll of the dice or encounter cards, I think it's that's a fascinating uh, a fascinating part of this game, the Twilight Two Thousand game, the adventures that we're doing, and. Um, why every time you might run it, you and your other in the other game, which also takes place in Poland, will be different like every time, right? So, yep, yeah. So, I, I do you think do you think I've been too easy? Like, I always I don't know why I always ask myself this, but do you think I've been too easy on the play on the group? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know that you've been any easier on us than you were at the point that I joined the group. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then again, then again, like I said, I wasn't part of the scarcity economy at the very beginning, so I'm not sure how tight things were at that point, and whether or not you were basically tightening the screws on the team at that point or not. Um, I think you're willing to let us. You, you basically, like you said, you throw the plot elements out there, mm-hmm. uh, the hooks, and see what we bite at, and you're willing to take and run with what we bite at. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the. Uh, my character Chernoff's uh, solution to the problem of a possible problem sailor on the boat. Mm-hmm. I, I noticed some hesitation on your part, but 
you're willing to just take and go and not tell me no. I was kind of happy. With yeah, that. I, I never think I think uh, a GM is like an arbitrator, and a, and it, this this game is pretty deadly, right? So you know, and, and I, I I do appreciate that uh, you guys don't you I, you have yet to charge headlong. Maybe like one time you were like, I'm tired of these these types of dudes. We just gotta you know stomp them into the ground. Uh, I think that's happened like once or twice. But you had you had an overwhelming right. you know advantage, so you took it. Uh, and I think that's I think that's what you guys I, I like the fact that, that your group is pretty savvy about that. It's not like you you will not you will not get into a fight. It seems that you don't think you can win. You set up ambushes. You um, uh, recon ahead, and I think that that helps. And then, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I, that's why I think I I don't think I don't know if it's leeway. I just think it's like yeah, if you come up with a with a clever idea or an idea that I feel will work, but right. tell me how you're going to do it. And if it comes to a roll, then and you know to determine whether you mm-hmm. that happens or not, then we do it. Um, but um, yeah. I, I think it. I, yeah, I don't think it's been too easy, and I think there, there are reasons for why. Well, you know, you guys have a, you guys have a pretty strong force, and not everyone is like a experienced or a veteran in the world, right? So um, they're just more experienced. Right, right. They're just more experienced or have more guns yeah. than the than the the people they're trying yeah. to, you know, bully. I guess. Yeah, I think one of the things that has helped our party is we've been fairly proactive when it comes to our travels. And like you said, we go out and we do recon, we set up ambushes, and we try to avoid being on the receiving end of those. Because as we've seen with us initiating ambushes, um, folks drop pretty quickly. And if they start shooting back at us, well, the plan is in the process Mm -hmm. of failing. Yeah, Yeah, and I think... I mean, I was listening to one of the podcasts earlier uh, where you were talking about Top Secret and James Bond mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff. And my experience with uh, Top Secret, segueing slightly, is that it's a great little game to poke around with and go do spy stuff. But the minute the guns comes out, um, your plan has failed yeah, I- because you don't want to be you don't want to be in a firefight in Top Secret. In, in this game either, right? Everyone has at most five five hit points, right. six if you're. I don't know. Oh, I yeah. don't know who would have six hit points. Maybe some, some big like you know Dolph Lundgren type a person, but yep, some guy that has dropped A and A into right, agility yeah. and strength. So, you know, it's very very rare. Most people have four or five, and the guns will do four or five points of damage. You know, so even oh, a yeah. pistol, right? And then and it's not just that. Like like a crit, the crits are happen so readily, <laughs> and they're they're very random and deadly. So. Yeah, it's a very deadly system, and I I think what I do appreciate about the mm-hmm. group too is that you guys you guys have not like I guess maraudered your way down uh, down the vistula. You've done a lot of diplomacy and talking, have gained some allies actually. Um, so I think that is that is pretty positive. And like because really like when the guns come out, then and already the all the all your planning can go goes out the window, right? So um, so I think that's really, right. That's really good. Um, well, well mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I don't know if we have any other comments or questions or, or oh, we were going to talk about like, just very briefly. What do you think of uh, what do you think in general of the mechanics of the Twilight 2000 fourth edition system? You played many games and played Twilight 2000 for at least a couple iterations. What do you think in general of the mechanics? Mm-hmm. Now that I have a player here to talk about them, and it's not just me plodding on. Right, right. Um, I like I actually like the mechanics mm-hmm. of fourth edition better. 
Um, you get a little bit more flow. I know there are some players out there and some GMs that don't like the luck economy. Basically, I, I forget what the uh, meta currency. There we go. Uh, the, for the pushing. But I think that it actually helps get over the fact that occasionally your dice just go bad. But, but there are consequences of pushing, right? And, I, mean, it's not, I mean, yeah. I mean, like in, in the last oh, yeah. game, uh, well, not sometimes you know, pushing on an empathy or an intelligence leads to stress. Stress can knock you out or take you out of a, out of the right. situation. You know, you can you can become become comatose or unconscious from stress, not just from wounds in this game. And and then when you when you're messing with right. equipment, uh, you if you push and you you fail poorly, then then you ruin the equipment. The re- equipment starts degenerating. So right. I think they're definitely and or you can get injured, right? Mm-hmm. Like on a recon or. Or, or mobility type mm-hmm. of thing, uh, you can get injured, and which you know, yeah. having four hit points, five hit points, one injury is not good. <laughs> so, right to take you out. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I think quite so. Consequences for it. You know, the minute you start, yeah, the minute you start checking those boxes for your wounds, uh, right. the tension just sort of ratchets but up. I think it's good. It's a very, it's a very tense game because you never know, right? I mean, even even when mm-hmm. uh, bad guys at far range are rolling only two sixes to hit. Um, six is a hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. So true. Uh, I'm as far as fourth edition goes. One of the things I really liked about it versus first edition is yeah. the life path. The life path just adds so much possibility right. Right. in the way and of you story. You can do two types of character creation. You can just so. take an archetype and and add a few things, or you can do a life path, which I, I think is pretty cool. So uh, so there's definitely different ways of doing the character creation. Um, which I in, enjoy, and I think the life path with all the different possibilities and career paths you can go in is pretty is pretty fascinating, right? It brings it brings your character to life uh, without mm-hmm. without having to write a, a two page backstory, twenty page backstory. I think that's great. So, what do you think of the uh, a big controversy uh-huh. as always is is loss of player agency? So, a lot of talk on po- various podcasts recently, uh, at least in the audio dungeon audios anchor former anchor sphere now Spotify for podcasters um, is this mm-hmm. suppression fire mechanic. I think it's pretty easy and simple in Twilight 2000. And, and I don't mind that people yeah. have to, um, you know, if they're getting shot at, it doesn't mean that you like just sit there huddled in a ball crying. Like some of the, unfortunately some of the, the characters in saving right. private Ryan have done or in band of brothers have done, but, um, but you know, sometimes you just got to, you don't mm-hmm. want to put your head out because you can get hit, you know. So, what do you think of that? What do you think of that? Like, so right. Uh, right. when you're under suppressed suppressive fire or a buddy nearby you gets hit, you have to make that coolness under mm-hmm. fire check, and if you fail, you're out out for a round. From a player perspective, right. what is from a player perspective, I kind of look at it as being kind of tit for tat mm-hmm. because we're doing the same thing to the bad guys, right? And by bad guys, I mean the opposition. Right. Not necessarily that we're not the bad guys. But, you know, right. that, that's a different kettle of fish. Um, I, I think I like having the rules be applicable on both sides of, mm-hmm. the, of the, uh, the battlefield. I mean, if we're able to make them duck and cover, right. they ought to be able to do the same thing to us. Yeah, I, I, I... And they, they do – the fact that the, uh, the coolness under fire and the ducking and cover and, you know, due to suppressive fire and whatnot – all it does is lock you down for a round. It they can't keep they can't keep shooting at you and keep you locked down. At worst, it's gonna knock you out for a round, and then you get to pop back up and do something. And then you know if something happens again, 
Yeah, I guess I, I guess technically one could they could keep you locked down. You just get it, but you get another coolness under fire check. It's not like you're you're once you fail your coolness under fire and they right. You know, it's it is just one round, and then if if the same situation like if they keep firing machine gun in your general area, and the the rolls work out where there is mm-hmm. a call for a coolness under fire check, whether you get hit, your buddy gets hit, or they they roll suppressive yep. positive suppressive fire dice. And you'd have to roll right. again, but you're right. It is only one round, and unless you know, but right. usually what I've noticed by after mm-hmm. that one round, then someone else, someone else from the team takes that person out, and they can't do it again. <laughs> so that's usually what's happened. Um, you guys have right, right, yeah. And also the game, the game is kind of stacked towards the players too. In that, not only do we have coolness sure. under fire, we also have a team coolness under fire, to where if you can see one of your buddies. You don't roll yes. just one dice for your coolness check. You get to roll two. Right. And all you have to do is succeed on one of them. And there are skills out there in the command tree that if somebody had them, um, you can basically, if somebody is locked down due to coolness under fire, your your squad leader can go, get back in. And if they roll well enough in their command, yeah, you, can, you can break you can do them like out a, of that uh, being locked major down. Major winners and go, keep moving, keep moving. Oh, right, so type of thing. Uh, that's yep, ma- pretty uh, major much. winters from Band of Brothers, just uh, for people. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So okay. I, think, uh, I, I mean, I like the mechanic. Um, I've enjoyed it. I think even in the last session, it's benefited. It's benefited you all tremendously because uh, one, uh, one of the uh, one of your pl- uh, weapons platforms like lit up uh, uh, the bridge of a boat, uh, took out the, uh, the driver, and that's going to force. Has actually forced all the other people on the boat to make a coolness under fire check, which they failed. So now they're either gonna bail out of the boat or just huddle down behind the behind the gunnels to not get shot at. So, yeah, I think it's a it's a pretty cool mechanic. It can definitely without without having to kill everyone, it can basically help you win the fight. I think. So, all right. So, anything else? Any other comments you have, Joe? Before I let you go. Um, um, I can't really think of anything. Uh, I just want to say, take a moment to say that I'm having a really fun time playing in your games. Oh, thanks so much. Um, well, yeah. So thank you again, Joe, for coming on. I, 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 again, I will reiterate, I love the expertise and experience you bring to any, all the games that you're in. And it, it really helps me, um, to see that, like you said, you're not, are you only excited while you're playing, but you also, love doing the spreadsheets keeping track of stuff that helps me from the gm side tremendously um, so i don't have to do it all or remember you know how many rounds of um five five six ammo you guys have <laughs> too many too many <laughs> all right well thanks so much joe um and uh i will see you soon play with you soon and have a great rest of the week sure you too Right, and that's the show. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you very much, Joe Youngers, for coming on and talking about Twilight 2000, the urban operations book, and Twilight 2000 in general. It's a great game. It's, I've been running it for almost two years, and we started way back in Battle of Khalid's and gone through Krakow. We're on the Vistula. They're dealing with uh, a big flotilla of pirates on the Vistula, and then maybe they'll head to Warsaw. They've heard rumors of someone called the Black Baron who's trying to take over 
that destroyed, blown out, blown up capital. So um, hope you enjoyed it. And uh, thank you for listening again. If you have questions and comments, you can email me at geomologist at gmail.com. You can drop me a voice recorded message there as well. I have a SpeakPipe account. Um, and you can drop me a voice recorded message on the various discords as a direct message. I'm on a lot of them. You can also try to leave a message with the Spotify for podcasters, formerly Anchor, on the website. And uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Uh, the intro and outro music is by TJ Drennan. And today's cover is the cover of the Urban Operations book. The cover of the box set is by Gustav Eklund. So I hope you enjoyed it, and I'll talk to you soon. What did Amy say? Ah, oh, I can't remember. Now I remember. Good night and good rolling. Take us out, TJ.